Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, and joined as always by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. You can get the Talking Tide podcast through our Twitter feed. We link them all there. The handle is Twitter is talking underscore tide. I think that's two podcasts in a row. I've flubbed that handle. Uh, talking. <laughs> Talking underscore Tide is the Twitter handle. And, of course, you can get Talking Tide on any podcasting app you prefer, including Apple Podcasts. And we are, as well, available on Facebook and YouTube live. Quickly thanking sponsors, Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and DraftKings. More on each of them later in the program. Travis, we open the Sunday Nighter. Uh, digging into a shutout victory for the Crimson Tide at home over FCS Austin P, 34 to nothing. The final score: the Crimson Tide ahead, just seven nothing after a quarter. Not out of the gate, especially fast, uh, but against a team that uh, was frankly non-competitive. Uh, Alabama was able to pull away with this one in fairly short order. They were uh, a laborious, I guess you could call it opening scoring drive for Alabama to take that seven to nothing lead. And what would an Alabama game be good bread without some adventures in the kicking game? <laughs> Another short yeah. muff punt gives an opponent a short field to work with. Alabama is able to get a stop uh, on fourth down a little bit of a questionable play there, maybe on fourth and goal, but a third and two stop that was very, very impressive with Tim Smith and, uh, Jaheim Otis combining on that TFL of AP quarterback Mike Diello. So, you know, look, it was sleepy in some ways. A team that looked a little bit road weary after being away from Bryant Denny Stadium the previous two games, and uh, a game in which Alabama just got done what it needed to get done. That bounce off that punt caught Kendrick Law by surprise, didn't it? It was uh, it's that's short such hopping. a tough spot, man. Yeah, uh, uh, some punts are so awful that they end up being great, you know. Yeah. And that was the case in the Tennessee game too. I, although, you know, that was Q Robinson basically just kind of, you know, I'm still convinced on that one. Q Robinson because he's on the punt coverage and punt return team. I'm still convinced he may have thought that he was covering a punt mm-hmm. on that play and was, like, going to touch it dead, you know? I don't know. Maybe I'm reaching, trying to find yeah. some answers still for that one. Yeah, I heard in the uh, press box, uh, can't, can't recall exactly who uttered it, but when the when the Kendrick Law uh, muff happened, Robinson's name came up and I'm like, nah, don't, don't, don't even go there. Cause the two no. aren't even comparable, at least in terms of, uh, right. Mental mistakes. What one was just a giant brain fart. There's no other way to describe it. Yeah. One, one was intentionally touched. Right. 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 Yeah. So definitely. But, uh, yeah, that one, uh, that one didn't get things off to a very good start. Uh, they end up getting 156 yards on the ground out of Jason McClellan, 17 carries, couple of touchdowns for him. Uh, a lot of running the ball for Alabama in this game, Travis. You know, you knew Nick Saban just preferred, as he always does in games like this, he wants to get in and out in as few snaps as possible, uh, it seems like. 
and he certainly was able to do that in pretty short. The game flew by time-wise. I don't know what the game time was. I should look at the box score and see how long it lasted. But it's like I blinked and we're halfway through the fourth <laughs> quarter, you know. Well, and they needed to run it because they hadn't hit 200 rushing yards since the A&M game back on October the 8th. So, uh, you know, they needed some work in that area. And you're right, Jason McClellan now essentially in the last six-plus quarters or so, 240 rushing yards going back to the Ole Miss performance. So uh, good for him. Uh, good to get some guys rested that are dinged up a little bit. Didn't like seeing Tyler Steen go down there. Late in the second quarter, not with an Auburn team coming up who sacked Bryce Young seven times last season down on the plane. So some things to pay attention to as far as guys who uh, sat out the game, like a Jameer Gibbs, like a Tyler Steen, like a Cam Latou. I know Nick Saban postgame didn't sound as if any of those were serious in nature. Eli Ricks um, out as well. So uh, that's as much what you're going to be paying attention to coming off this performance as anything else. Tyler Steen, definitely a topic I wanted to get into with you, Travis. That'll be kind of the way we'll peek ahead a little bit at the Iron Bowl. Uh, but just to uh, circle back really quickly, total time elapsed, Alabama-Austin P 307. Yeah. I would have guessed even under three. It seemed even quicker than that to me. Uh, but that's, pretty, wasn't that's a pretty good pace right there. And usually you associate those type of time of plays with a, you know an option type offense that runs it you know 50 times in the game, throws it six. But Austin P threw the ball 32, 33 times in the game. Uh, but it was good. Maybe maybe it had something to do, too, with it being essentially on a streaming platform, right? This wasn't CBS. This wasn't your Saturday night primetime game with ESPN where we're getting 37,000 Dodge, Dodge truck commercials or whatever the hell they're trying to feed us, you know? Yes, no question about it. Uh, Tyler Steen, as you noted, injured in the game. Day to day, says Nick Saban. So who knows what that'll become by Wednesday? Uh, for the moment, as we record here on the Sunday nighter, I guess you got to call them questionable. And it's a, it's a significant matter for a couple of reasons. You know, like you said, Auburn's pass rush just just dominated Alabama. Frankly, last year, Derek Hall had three sacks. He'll he's back this he's year. Back. He'll, he'll be coming after that left tackle, whoever it is. Uh, so that's uh, that's something to watch for. I guess, uh, you know, maybe is it Kite that comes in? Amari and, Kite came in, yeah, yeah. We saw Elijah Pritchett with the twos, the true freshman yeah. at left tackle late. I thought he, he certainly looks the part. Now, I'm not insinuating that he's in any way ready for his first start in an Iron Bowl. Um, and, and, again, it sounded as if – Steen's injury, at least listening to Nick Saban postgame, uh, wasn't uh, of the variety that would, would certainly keep him out this week. In other words, it sounds like he'll at least have a chance to go. Certainly, yeah. And, and uh, we'll know more. We'll know more, a lot more on Wednesday. Nick Saban uh, will do his normal Wednesday evening press conference, even though that uh, comes right up on the holiday, of course, Thanksgiving this week, a happy Thanksgiving uh, to all of our listeners. Nick will probably come in there with pecan pies for everyone, you know? 
Yeah. 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 Pies, you know, just spread them out to his media friends. Yeah. Because absolutely. he appreciates everything <laughs> we do, Chase. He's I like thankful, that. Story. Thankful for us. Yeah. Turkey ham the whole bit. <laughs> you bet. All the, all the fixes. <laughs> Pack your lunch picnic style. <laughs> and we can retire. Yeah, he'll take you out that much like Big Dan did. You know, <laughs> out in a remote location. Uh, follow this advanced tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right, uh, moving on the Alabama basketball team. Travis uh, knocks off Jacksonville State. Another blowout. Against an outmanned uh, squad in non-conference play, the final score 104-62. The Crimson Tide once again totally dominant on the boards, out-rebounded Jacksonville State two to one, basically, and uh, a big, big night for the freshman Brandon Miller, twenty-eight points, seven of nine from three-point range, uh, a couple more in double digits. Uh, thoughts on this one as Alabama, of course, now turns to that uh, that Phil Knight Invitational in Michigan State next week. Yeah, 51 points in the first half and 53 in the second half for Alabama in the shellacking of the visiting Gamecocks. And, yeah, I mean, if Alabama's going to make 21 threes in, in a game, I don't care who they play. They're going to win those games because of what they're still capable of doing on the defensive end and Still a really good performance defensively, too, and holding Jacksonville State to 62 points. So, yeah, Brandon Miller, you you saw why this guy is considered to be a one-and-done in all likelihood. It's not just the length and the athleticism. Uh, it's that he is capable of a seven-for-nine night from the three-point strike, which is what we saw from him in the win. And good to see Namari Burnett, too, kind of get it going because that's been the expectation for him is that you know, he can give them some of that shooting from beyond the arc. And so uh, good to see him with five threes in the game. And uh, Noah Clowney kind of doing what he does with 10 rebounds. You look at Alabama with 49 rebounds and you think, wow, that's light for this team because they've been 60-ish, I guess, you know, to this point. But as you said, still pretty much doubled up the Gamecocks on the glass. So uh, 23 assists on 34 field goals. That's pretty good number two, Chase, and the turnovers at 13, 23 assists, 13 turnovers. You can pick a stat and, and feel good about that performance. Nine guys in double-digit minutes, and I get it. That's that's more normal for uh, a non-conference blowout. Nobody had more than 28 minutes. But, Travis, I'm not so sure that won't be a pattern into the tougher parts of the schedule. Uh, for for NATO, it's maybe not necessarily nine guys in double digits, but a disbursement of minutes that's uh, um, bench friendly, shall we say? Uh, you've got uh, and here let's let us not forget Nate Oates continues to insist uh, that Dom Welsh is going to get minutes when he's ready to go. You got Darius Miles coming back; he's going to be looking for a handful of minutes as well. Uh, Twenty-five minute when when if. If everybody's healthy and Nate Oates likes all the guys he seems to like so far, 25 minutes is might be about as good as, as anybody's going to do. 30 tops. Yeah, that, that too is what made Miller's performance so impressive. He scored 28 and he did it in 25 minutes. You know? yeah. So that speaks to how efficient 
he can be too, scoring 28 on just 12 shots from the field. And um, he's got that luxury, Nate Oates does. And he's talked about it pretty extensively in the preseason into the early stages of the season. And it's going to have more to do with defensive effort and those blue-collar points that he is uh, associated with so often. And so it looks like he's legitimately going to have that luxury. You know, a lot of times coaches can talk about the bench and the players know, you know, it's lip service for the most part, because at the end of the day, you still got to put the ball in the bucket, you know, and typically you'll have a team with three to five guys that are capable realistically of doing that. What we're starting to see more of is that this team with Mark Sears going for 18, as you talked about Miller for 28, um, Burnett for 18, you know, they've got some different guys. And then you still got Javon Quinterly coming back. And I know Nate has talked about keeping him on sort of a, a limited amount of minutes, but Javon played 17 minutes in the game and had eight assists in, in that short period of time. So uh, a lot of good stuff. You're going to have a lot of assists when you make 21 threes. When you're making yeah. shots from the outside, the assists seem to come a lot easier. Yeah, Jaden Bradley with five of those. He he's looked good early as well. It's going to be interesting to see if he cuts into Sears' minutes down the stretch. Yeah, yeah I, well, I and think then Javon coming back. That, That's right. How they manage right. that, and we know Nate. He isn't. Uh, you know, it doesn't phase him to go with multiple point guards on the floor together. And these mm-hmm. are the kind of guards that I think can complement each other pretty well uh, in that regard. It's uh, we've come a long way from the days when Trevor Relford was the only ball handler they pretty much had, you know. Uh, yeah, Retno Bossahan, you know, pretty much or bust some years. So, uh, so yeah, but Ronald, yeah, I, poor Ronald Steele playing 40 minutes a night on the ball. You know, right. I mean, damn, it's one yeah. thing to play 40 minutes in a game, but 40 minutes on the ball that's yeah, that's like 60. You know, for anybody else. <laughs> uh, I got my introduction to Brandon Miller as a draft prospect when I went to the Liberty game, Travis, and there were there were two NBA scouts, not that that's a huge number, but for two NBA scouts to come to a November Alabama game against Liberty. So they're there for somebody, you know, yeah. and uh, there's no doubt, there's absolutely no doubt who it was. I'm sure we'll see uh, NBA scouts and significantly greater numbers once we uh, get into the spring. No doubt. And, well, just look at what's coming up on the schedule. There's going to be plenty of NBA scouts out in Portland uh, for the Phil Knight event with Alabama out there coming up on Thanksgiving night to take on Tom Izzo and Sparty, Michigan State, uh, and then throughout that event. And then, once again, you get into this December schedule for this team. And what is it, Memphis, Houston, Gonzaga, uh, just about every man. night, yeah. There's going to be some solid representation at the, from the next level. Yeah, my attention on that Alabama Gonzaga basketball game might be somewhat split uh, with with Mike Cooley playing a solo show in Waverly, ah. Alabama, that same evening. We'll, uh, we'll yes, see. that might be a. We'll tough see what happens you. there. The Stroker Eight should be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've seen him in December before, Travis. Yes, we have. Yes, we have. And we will again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Moving on here in the Talking Tide podcast, going to thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly. Going to start by telling you all about North River Dental Associates and that great service you get from Dr. Jack Smalley and his great bunch of dental hygienists. A convenient location right off of Watermelon Road at 1100 Fairfax Park. They're going to get you in and out of the building on a routine cleaning, typically in under an hour. Now offering Botox and Juvederm treatments to tighten up those facial features as well. And of course, it is the highest quality dentistry you can ask for, no matter what your dental needs. The teeth whitening services at North River, also extremely popular. The phone number over there, 752-3506, or you can make an appointment online. Just go to NorthRiverDentist.com. It's North River Dental Associates. Going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolates here out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. What a big week coming up at Peterbrook Chocolatier. First, you've got Thanksgiving, of course. And if you want to make or take your Thanksgiving spread to that next level, well, you need to get by Peterbrook there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa this week. So many great options for you to choose from. And of course, you got the Iron Bowl Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. You want to make that pregame spread extra special. Let Peterbrook Chocolatier help you out. Got those Roll Tide treats for you. So many great options. Christmas orders, still taking them. 205-752-0211. Not too late to get yours in right now at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings, TPPN. That is the promo code. The Pigskin Podcast Network acronym. Use that promo code when you sign up. You download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use the promo code, and on a $5 bet on any NFL game, if your team wins, you'll get $200 in free bets. You absolutely cannot beat that deal. As well, everyone can boost winnings with the DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. So once again, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN and get $200 in free bets if your team wins off of a $5 bet on any football game only at the DraftKings Sportsbook using TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions, as always, apply. Travis, will uh, do our best to unpack what was an absolutely wild weekend of action in the Southeastern Conference. We saw South Carolina which had scored 145 points total in its first seven SEC games, Travis. That's uh, my math. My lousy Bishop Kenny math says that was uh, that's about 20 a game in the SEC uh, coming into Saturday night. They turn around and hang 63 uh, on Tennessee. Just an unbelievable night for Spencer Rattler and an awful night for Tennessee, especially now with the news that Hendon Hooker's gone down with a torn ACL. You hate to see that for him super season he's had yeah first and foremost you hate that for Hendon Hooker he deserved a better finish to his career uh, at Tennessee and certainly to this season than the one that he has now uh, with that ACL injury and just boy a catastrophic performance defensively I we knew Tennessee wasn't great on the defensive side of the ball but a 60 burger to this South Carolina offense and you know what yeah. You know what that performance does for Spencer Rattler? It gets one team 
And that's all it takes in the NFL to throw that yeah. tape on and go, you know what? As that NFL <laughs> draft gets a little closer, good Brad, there's going to be that yeah. one team that says, this, this is the Spencer Rattler we think can quarterback right. our team. And we somebody because of, of that performance is going to take Spencer Rattler far too high. But he was he was great. But again, Anthony Richardson, he's going to have that same tape because he threw for over 400 against Tennessee too. It wasn't just Bryce Young. It was yeah. Anthony Richardson and Spencer Rattler. So when you start thinking about some quarterbacks for the draft, perhaps next spring, they're all going to be pushing that Tennessee tape, right? To those teams and saying, look, look at this, you know, but what's, you're right. What's, what's going to happen? It was going to be a sleepy day in the league. And it was, it was not. What's going to happen to that Spencer Rattler draft stock. If he turns around and lights up Clemson for about three, that's what I, it, it's just going to be, he'll, he'll, he could end up being a first round pick late first. I mean, if you just watch the guy stand there and throw the football, it is impressive. And when he gets mm. into his own like that, when he's locked in like that, um, it, it's it, it legitimizes everything we had heard about him going back to his high school days before he went to yeah. Oklahoma. Um, it was all on display. But again, Tennessee just absolutely atrocious on the defensive side. It wasn't just Spencer Rattler. I mean – South Carolina converted a tight end. They have so many injuries at running back. They they convert a tight end. Was it Jaheim Bell to running yeah. back? And he looks like yeah. Dan Marshawn Lattimore <laughs> in 2010 <laughs> against Alabama and some other teams. I mean, that's how bad Tennessee is defensively. So we can talk about Hypo and this tempo and you know, the explosive plays and all those things, but if there isn't some improvement made, a commitment made to the defensive side of the ball at some point, I think two losses, you know, is pretty much the the, the best Tennessee fans are, are going to be able to kind of hope for in, in seasons like this. If, if you're a five star on the defensive side of the ball, you, you're you're looking at you're you're looking at an opportunity for playing time there if you want to go. If you uh, if but, you want to go, yeah, um, it's just. Uh, you know, Heupel likes to get the ball back quick. I'll say that for the Tennessee defense against South Carolina. They were getting the ball back to that Tennessee offense. They were keeping South Carolina off the scoreboard. But <laughs> give Shane Beamer a lot of credit too, man, because that team was awful against Florida the previous week in Gainesville. And to yes, come back were. that quickly and play that mm-hmm. well, um, you know, I think South Carolina got two teams beat on Saturday based on how they played against Florida. I think South Carolina probably helped get Florida beat at Vanderbilt Saturday. Florida probably Mm -hmm. thought, hey, we've really turned a corner here and Vanderbilt's coming up, no big deal. And then they go up to Nashville and get beat. And if you're Tennessee and you see that Florida tape, you're thinking, these guys suck. And we also know Georgia had gone in there and just bombed South Carolina earlier in the season. Tennessee – thinks that it is Georgia. It is not. We found that out Saturday night. And so I, I think South Carolina's stinker in Gainesville a week ago uh, helped two teams get beat on Saturday. Inter- interesting theory for sure, uh, and, and a big, big win for Shane Beamer. The Vanderbilt Commodores, Travis, uh, pick up their second straight SEC win after uh, 
a two-plus season streak of uh, losses and SEC action. They knock off the Florida Gators in Nashville 31-24, to the final score, a stunner. Down there in Gainesville, you know there's some moaning and groaning, and I know it's Billy Napier's first year. I saw a, a snippet of his press conference anyway. He said that one of the things he said, Travis, he said, I saw a lot of Florida beating Florida out there. Well, <laughs> they had Vanderbilt's name on the scoreboard, you know. <laughs> That's and, the problem, uh, Bill. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's he's, a tough uh, one. He's got a mess on his hands, Travis, bottom line. They, they, they're, they're discombobulated on offense. I think their defense has, has been pretty bad overall. Uh, it's like Jekyll and Hyde with Florida all over it is, again. It is. And, um, you know, it, it gets harder to sort of it, – it, it does in some ways anyway to talk about culture when you're 11 games into the season, although we saw that in Nick Saban's first season at Alabama. Culture actually looked better in the first month and a half of Saban's first season. It was November when mm-hmm. you know, the levy sort of broke where, where culture was concerned for some of those – uh, issues that he had, but no, that's a tough one for Napier because you had gone on the road and beaten A and M. You know, you looked great at home against South Carolina, starting to turn the corner, going to ramp up to that regular season-ending matchup in Tallahassee with Florida State, and uh, bloop. Looking so, ahead, looking ahead to those. Now the Gators probably. are a nine-point dog going to Tally on Friday. That's interesting, right? Friday night yeah. game. I like it. I don't like it for the high school playoffs. I don't like that. Right. You know, because we hear college football people complain about the NFL stepping yeah. into the college football territory with Thursday night games and Saturday later in the season in the playoffs. Well, what is college football uh, doing this week mm-hmm. with the Friday games and Friday night games, not just Friday during the day games, but Florida, Florida State at night? Get that game back on Saturday for sure. Get them all back on Saturday. I don't like if you want to play it Friday, play it at noon. Play it at noon or play it at two thirty or whatever. But you know, try to stay out of Friday night if you can. Yeah, unfortunately, I think being I mean, prime time's the point. Unfortunately, because they don't want the competition on. There's not a more traditional high school football Friday. You know this, and I know it because we've been around it extensively mm-hmm. in our past there's not a more traditional high school football friday than the friday playoff round after thanksgiving right yep yeah i mean when you think about high school football you think about the friday after thanksgiving because that's typically playoffs everywhere and it's considered to be just a milestone if you're a high school team and you're practicing on thanksgiving day because that means you're playing on that friday night and you go to a lot of these places, mm-hmm. teams are eliminated. You're getting down to 12 teams or so in a certain classification, something 16, something like that. And the crowds get bigger and bigger because the games are more and more limited, right? Right. Just, you know, yep. Just a, just yeah, a I'm with you. rant there. I'm, I'm with you for sure. All right. Uh, we'll close it out. Quickly discussing Arkansas's win over Ole Miss, forty-two to twenty-seven. Sounded like air out of the sails for Ole Miss to me, Travis, because they they just gotten eliminated from the SEC West race the week prior, and then they turn around and, and lay an egg against Arkansas. 
the running game, though, that didn't lay any egg. This was unreal, Travis. There were – I don't know if I've ever heard of this in college football before or any football. Three 200-yard rushers in the game. <laughs> Ole, Miss had, Ole Miss had two of them, and Arkansas had one of them. Yeah. And yeah. and so and and, our, and Ole Miss ends up with 703 yards of total offense. Can only score 27 points. I don't know how you do that. Uh, three turnovers will help get you there for sure. Uh, but just uh, and I wish I'd seen more of the game. I have it on DVR. I can go back and watch it if I want to. But the tackling had to be absolutely atrocious. And it also makes you wonder about Lane. You know, and understanding Ole Miss a different situation than what he would be in at Alabama. But that's one of those type of performances after a high-profile loss like Alabama where it ends up being a two-loss sort of deal instead of just one. Mm. Um, But give Sam Pittman a lot of credit. That's also kind of where he specializes. They had the tough loss to LSU the previous week. Looked like they got uh, K.J. Jefferson back and – and Rocket Sanders sort of low-key here the last season and a half or so has just been really, really good at the running back position for the Hawks. No doubt about it. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Catch our Iron Bowl preview coming up a little bit later this week. For Travis Ryer, AbamaOnline.com. I'm Chase Goodbread of the Tuscaloosa News and Crimson Cover Television. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.